It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in to the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mike Evans, Mark Schlereth, Scott the Huff, running the board. Brought to you by Mark's All Pros. Check it out, marksallpros.com for uh, all your referral needs. That's marksallpros.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? Man, I am good. I am good. I, um, I'm still trying to figure out this whole XFL thing. Okay. All right. Like, you know, what, what's your. So, well, did you watch this weekend? I, I, I sampled it a little bit. Here was my first reaction. Okay. Be curious to get yours. Okay. I need football 365 days a year, but I don't think I need games 365 mm. days a year. I mean, I'm, I'm conditioned. This is the time right. of year where I want to talk about free agency, I want to talk about the draft. I don't know if I need to see football games. You know, it's an interesting aspect to to the game itself. I mean, it, it goes to show you, one, what the NFL has done, creating this insatiable appetite for content. But it doesn't necessarily have to be, like you said, the games. We're just over the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the, the, you know our September darlings have actually gotten through September and actually won a Super Bowl. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Good for them. What a, a remarkable Super Bowl it was. Um, still really hard for me to say the Chiefs have won a Super Bowl. But you know what? Uh, you guys deserve it. Good for you guys. But you're 100% right. Now it comes time as a NFL football fan. Okay, where do we go from here? How do we get to where the Chiefs are? How do we compete with the Chiefs? I mean, we're in the AFC West here. We live in Denver. So we're looking at the Denver Broncos right now from a procurement stage of football, right? This is the, the this is the part of the season. If you break it into quarters, you know, there's, there's the, the regular season. Then there's the postseason. Um, then there's the procurement season. Then there's the you know the OTAs and the preseason. That's more than quarters. Wait a minute, was that five? Yeah, I think that was five. Yeah. Okay, couple the regular season postseason together. That's one. One. Then the procurement stage. Two. That's free agency and the draft. Right. Then the uh, the the kind of OTA preseason. Right. That's three. Right back into the regular season. Now we're in the quarters. Now we're in the quarters. Math. It's hard. <laughs> always has been. It always. It's never going to change. I Math know. is always going to be hard. I know. It's a struggle. Yeah. So, I mean, but I'm, I'm in with you. So, do I really need to see the games? No. But did I watch some of the games? Did I watch them with interest? Did I, like, did I dial in to a degree? You know, some of it was background noise, but some of it I was dialed in because I wanted to see exactly what the product looked like. And I think the product, uh, I think the product looked pretty good. I think there's a there's a couple different things that you're that you're trying to take away from, like the first iteration of XFL football to this iteration of XFL football. What needed to change? And I think the biggest thing that I've heard and that I've seen, and I've heard people talk about it, and I've seen it firsthand, is the broadcasts like before it was, Hey, we got a rock concert going on with a football game in the background, right? It was the, he hate me jerseys and it was the nicknames and it was the, you know, it was all the ancillary crap. that doesn't matter. This seems to me to be more about the game football. It's about the coaches. It's about the players. It's about the strategy. It's about, it's, it's a real live NFL football. It's a NFL football, well, not NFL. It's a professional football. See, because what I'm hearing is people making the case for, hey, I like some of the rule changes. I like the kickoffs. You know, they got that kind of unique kickoff. Yeah. I like the fact that 
The coaches are mic'd up. I like the fact that you can talk to these guys the moment they miss a kick. Right away, you're interviewing them. Is it? Is the appeal? See, I think I think the problem potentially is the appeal is all the stuff that goes around the actual play, mm-hmm. and what's not being talked about is well, is the play itself good enough? Well, I, I and I think that is I, I think that's a fair criticism, and I think. It's one of the reasons they work so hard to divvy up the quarterbacks and to make sure that there is parity within this league, that every week the, the game should be fairly competitive. Hell, we saw we saw one blowout. What was it 37 to 17 blowout? And the LA team fired their defense coordinator, Pepper Johnson, longtime NFL player, longtime NFL coach. They fired him after one week. So the competitive balance has got to be good. The product has got to be the product has got to be real life football. I mean, it can't be gimmick football. So I don't look at any of those rules, Mike, as gimmick rules. Like I look at those as real live. Like those things add to the broadcast, and the broadcast is professional, and they add to the broadcast, and you get to look in live to the officials discussing, you know, whether it was a catch, whether it wasn't a catch, whether it was a penalty, whether like you get to look in live to that stuff, like. A guy misses a kick or a guy get, throws a pick six and 45 seconds later, you know, you're getting interviewed on the sideline about your pick six. That happened um, That happened this weekend, I think, in the Seattle game. So I think those things are cool and they add to the professionalism of the broadcast. And it may be something the NFL looks at and says, are there rules that we can adopt? See, my biggest thing with this league is there's a lot of good football players that are playing in this league. These are guys that are last cut type of guys that can't make the 53, but they're very competitive with number 43 through number 53, right? They're in that realm. Maybe they just don't have the experience. Maybe they just don't have the expertise. Maybe they came from a small school and they still need to develop, whatever the case may be. But these guys, and there will be plenty of the guys that are playing in this league right now that will make NFL rosters next year. They will make 2020 NFL rosters. Here is the one thing I think they need more than anything else to to be sustainable, to be viable. I think they need an affiliation with the NFL. I think there needs to be some type of development aspect to this league that we can see filtering into the NFL. Because I think it does two things for you. If you go back to NFL Europe, and I had the great pleasure of going over to um, going over to Germany and calling a NFL Europe game. I just got to call one. It was the Ryan Vire versus the Scottish Claymores. Yep. And I had a blast because I had access. I was at practice every day. I was in the meetings every day. It was really cool to be a part of, right? But the access there. One thing the the NFL Europe did was the development of guys. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. He was an NFL Europe quarterback. Um, Kurt Warner was an NFL Europe quarterback, won a Super Bowl, is in the Hall of Fame. They developed some players. In Denver, we used to send offensive linemen, guys that were free agent pickups, guys that were late-round draft choices. We used to send them over to the Barcelona team. And you could watch those guys like Matt Lepsis and Lenny Friedman and you know some of the other guys develop over time. I think Casey Jones might have gone over there. There's a few guys that went over there, but you got to watch them develop. So I think the 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 part for me 
that becomes imperative is at some point that this league is used, especially for quarterbacks, Mike, and offensive linemen. Because let's face it, it's about offensive production. We can say all we want about the great defenses. We can talk about, I mean, San Francisco versus Kansas City. Really, it wasn't a matchup of, hey, this defense that can rush the passer with only four and plays this great form of zone defense, the number one pass defense in the National Football League. What did it come down to? Third and 15, the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs, most importantly, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, make a huge play on third and 15 for 40-plus yards that ends up putting them in the in a position to have momentum and, and find a way to come back from double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter with seven minutes left to win that football game. That That's really what it comes down to. So to me, like I would be much more intrigued con- to continue to view this product if I knew that my team had five, four or five prospects, people that were on my practice squad, people that didn't get to play very much, that w- had an affiliation with the team. So I could go, oh, that's my team now. Right, whether they go, so the AFC West filters into two teams. They filter into uh, the St. Louis uh, BattleHawks and they and the Dallas Renegades, and those are the two teams I'm going to follow. Yep, because my players from the are the AFC West players get a filter into those two. They funnel into those two teams. So I, I think that inevitably, the XFL needs to have some type of affiliation with the NFL as a developmental league for quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks and offensive linemen. Well, I I definitely agree with you about offensive linemen. I'm wondering right now, are we actually entering a a phase here with the NFL where there's actually a glut of quarterbacks? And you've got got all these teams that have invested in young quarterbacks over the last few years. ton of them, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean for all the potential free agent quarterbacks? I saw a list. These are all potential free agent quarterbacks that could be out on the market. Could be. All at the same time. Um, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Um, Not to mention quarterbacks that, you know, probably still think that they have a chance to start if given an opportunity. Guys like Case Keenum. Joe Flacco. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. I'm right. sorry, I left Bridgewater out, out there too. Taysom Hill. Yeah. Okay? So I, I wonder, are we actually at a time right now in the NFL where there are too many potential quarterbacks and not enough openings? Isn't that crazy? Right? Right, because you've had so many, this influx of young quarterbacks that have now, played Now, don't get me wrong, early. it doesn't mean that we're, every team is set at quarterback, but because so many teams have made that young quarterback investment, they're sort of boxed in right now. Yeah, but if you have if you have a if you have a really like a solid football team and you think you're a veteran quarterback away from being competitive and there's all these veteran quarterbacks or it seems as though there's going to be a veteran quarterback that there's a glut of, a glut of them that like hit the open market like like well, Indianapolis, like Indianapolis, for example. Okay, well, you're talking about Jacoby Brissett, who's a young quarterback. Yeah, but they didn't really invest invest in him. Well, yeah, but people thought that that Jacoby Brissett was going to be, you know, going to come out of that New England tree, and you know, and and become, and, and he was, he was on his way. That the, the, hey, they started the season at like five and two, five and three, 
And then he had an injury against the Steelers, and then he just dropped precipitously when it comes to accuracy and some of the things that he was doing. But you look at them, I mean, good offensive line, really built that offensive line, built the line of scrimmage, run the ball with Mac. I mean, they've got they've got the potential to be pretty good. All of a sudden, and you know, the speculation that Phillip Rivers ends up there. Like, does that put them right back in the hunt for the AFC South crown? Okay. And I would have to say absolutely. Okay. Like, I look at a guy like Tom Brady. I don't think Tom Brady's leaving New England. You don't? No, I think this is like um I think this is like a legal separation. Like, I just feel like Tom Brady put his house on the market, hit free agency. He just wants, you know, he just wants to dress up in like he wants to look like John Travolta. Dress up in you know tight white pants, with a uh, big collared silk white shirt, and he just wants to put on his dancing shoes and and go to the disco, right? <laughs> he wants to go to the disco and he wants to strut a little bit, right? And make sure everybody's looking at him, and then he just wants to scurry back home, right? He wants to be wooed. He wants to be wooed a little bit. Course, he wants to feel who yeah. Who who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be pampered and wooed? Right. Right. He just wants to get a little wooing. Is there a difference between being wooed and being courted? Well, I don't know that there's real difference. Wooed and courted. Courted sounds more formal. Formal. Right. Right? Like, I cordially invite you. Yeah, like getting cordially invited somewhere. Like, that. that's courted. Wooed is just like, I don't know. I almost feel like he wants to walk by the construction site and get whistled at. Ah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then say, oh, stop it, guys. You know. And then race right back to Mr. Kraft <laughs> and get a two-year deal. Right. Right? But I almost feel like that's, like, like Brady isn't serious about leaving New England, but he does just want to, you know, I mean, you get beat down by Belichick for so many years, you just need somebody to pay attention to you. You just need to, to be wooed a little bit. You need to be told how pretty you are. <laughs> Right? Be, well, if that's all he wants, he just needs to come talk to you. Oh, I'll tell him how pretty he is. <laughs> I guarantee you that. So I don't feel like I don't feel like Brady as much as he's on the market, I don't feel like he's really on the okay. market. I was like I give him an 80% chance. This is just my own. This is math again coming up. Uh, I hope it doesn't bite me in the ass, but this is just my math. I I give him an 80% chance of staying in New England. 20% chance. Maybe even Breeze higher than that. Breeze I think Breeze a hundred percent is in New or in New Orleans. Okay. I don't think Breeze. I think Breeze either plays in New Orleans or he doesn't play. That's how strongly I feel about Breeze, and also how strongly I feel about the relationship he has with Sean Payton, and how much the two of them are connected at the hip together. So now you're starting to topple some dominoes there because right. if you think that Brady stays in New England, then that only probably cements the idea that Dak Prescott stays in Dallas. I mean, the only reason I can't see Dak in Dallas is if, is Brady. if Brady's yeah. in Dallas. Yeah. I I do. Um, I just don't – like, don't you get the sense that they'll franchise Dak? And, and maybe it's the – maybe it's not the – there's two different franchises, right? Maybe it's the one where, you know, you get to go out and, and see what your market value is. But I feel like Dak is going to end up in Dallas as well. The Taysom Hill one interests me because he came out. 
You know Taysom Hill, who is the all-everything, the do-it-all player for the New Orleans Saints. He plays a little quarterback. He plays a little tight end. He plays a little receiver. You know, he's a special teams guy. He just does everything for them, plays running back. He does, you name it, he does it. Um, he came out and sees himself. He said he sees himself as a franchise quarterback. He said, why you wouldn't? I mean, he's got – he certainly has a unique skill set. I mean, the guy – the guy's a legit 4'5", 4'4", you know, 40 guy at 235, 240, can run you over, he can run by you, he, uh, you know, run through you. I mean, that guy, especially with what we've seen trans transpire in the NFL from a offense standpoint and the quarterback and how much. Can you throw the ball like Lamar Jackson can? I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, threw a ton of touchdown passes in college too. So, right. And he showed pretty good passing ability. I think this that, year, do you think Taysom oh, I, Hill has that I kind think, of ability? I know I he think, can run around. I think Taysom Hill's a better thrower of the football than 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 excuse me than uh, than Lamar Jackson. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You think he's a better passer of the football? Yeah. Huh. Well, if that's the case, but then, I haven't seen. I mean, I certainly don't have a a large sample. No, size but if to you tell me that. if you think that that's a possibility, then. Absolutely, somebody should be. I just think that I just think well, he becomes okay, then a really interesting guy. Well, then if you're New Orleans and you already know this kid mm-hmm. and you like him a lot, if Sean Payton shares your opinion, yeah, then to me this is a no-brainer. You say thank you very much, Drew Brees, and you get your quarterback of the future in Taysom Hill. I think what Sean Payton does is say, hey. Jason, we're going we're gonna to pay you very handsomely to be a backup quarterback here, and you're going to be my guy as soon as Breeze decides it's done. And we'll we'll fit you in, we'll give you the role, and we'll increase the role, whatever. But, yeah, I think they – You're the I, QB in waiting. Yeah, I just – I feel like – and I know I've talked to Sean about it. I mean, they, they love him, and they do think they have – they think that he's got a great future at quarterback in the NFL. So um, – that it's going to be. I mean, it's interesting. It, it'll be very interesting to see exactly kind of how these quarterback dominoes fall. Where's Rivers go? You think Indy? I think I I gave Rivers two places: either Indy one or Tampa. I just feel like there's. I feel like knowing, um, knowing Bruce Arians, like I know Bruce Arians, like he was. I know he was very frustrated with the thirty thirty Jameis Winston, right? And I know that Bruce Arians wants to push the ball down the football field. And I know Phillip Rivers loves that philosophy, right? And, like, Phillip Rivers can still play. He can't get out of his own – like, he can't extend plays and that. But you look at the success that Carson Palmer had in Arizona with B.A., you look at him coming, you know, I mean, he went from Cincinnati, didn't he go to Oakland, then he retired, and they brought him out of retirement, and, and you know, he had a couple of unbelievable seasons. I could see that kind of resurrection for Phillip Rivers. Not that Phillip Rivers fell off the map by any stretch, but he threw a lot of picks last year, and, you know, and they were injured in, in uh, Charger land, you know, and, um, and they had a lot of offensive issues and just injury issues in general with their offensive line. He couldn't protect himself. And, you know, one thing Phillip Rivers ain't afraid of, he'll throw it anywhere. I mean, he doesn't – like, he he will be unapologetic. But um, I definitely think that, you know, he would be a fit in Bruce Arians' kind of touchdown to check down offense. But, see, I wonder where that leaves guys like Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, some of these other quarterbacks we talked about because – Remember, there are 
three more teams are going to draft their mm-hmm. supposed quarterback of the future with Joe Burrow, right. Tua Tonga Viola, and uh, Justin Herbert. Right. So, you know, you take those three with all the other young quarterbacks that have come into the league over the last two or three years that their teams are probably still, you know, pr- pretty much committed to. Right. And then you got the guys who are established. And then, you know, maybe you get a Phillip Rivers who moves to uh, to a place like Indy or Tampa. But I just I just wonder yeah, how I many think, really openings are there. Yeah, I that it's an interesting question because I think one of the things you have to you, you're gonna have to weigh out like a guy like Flacco that wants to return or right. wants to continue his career, like a guy like that still sees himself as a starting quarterback, right? But he's probably not gonna get an opportunity right off the bat to compete for a starting job. Or he'll be the guy that's like, hey, you're the starter now, but understand, you're only keeping the seat warm for, yes, exactly, Justin Herbert or so. But I would think, Tua or whatever, right? And I would think that you have to, you kind of have to look at it like, all right, so if Tennessee resigns Ryan Tannehill, you got to look at it like. Does Ryan Tannehill continue to play well, or does he kind of regress back to the means that you know where he started from? You know, does he does he go back to who he has been in the league? Um, would I have an opportunity to take over for him, like he took over for Marcus Mariota? And also, he has run around; he has had some injury issues. You know, will I get? Is there a eventual opportunity for me there? Like you have to look at it. I think you have to look at it that way. Like, like, hey. I'm happy to be a backup here, and I'll you know I'll do my job, you know. And but what gives me where where do I have the best chance? Or like you said, if it's let's say Miami is hot on Tua, right? You say all right, so I go there. Maybe I start the first three games of the season or whatever, or four games. Of the, if I'm hot, you know, I I maintain my I maintain my starting role. Mm-hmm. If not, you know, I'll eventually give way. But if I play really well and I'm confident that I can play well, you know, will they, you know, will they still dump me? But, what, you know, you just mentioned Miami. What about the guy you and I talked to down at the Super Bowl, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Right. He's not going he, he talked to him. He He's not going anywhere. Right. He'd like to continue to play, right. obviously. So, so I, you know, I, it's I, a fascinating. It just, yeah. it just seems to me like it's a fascinating time right now. Where we've got such uh, an infusion of young quarterbacks, coupled mm-hmm. with the old graybeards who are still right. either very prominent or are still trying to hang on. I think you have to understand, though. There's a there's a like there's an apparent glut, if you will, of of quarterbacks. Like there's a lot of young guys. I think the thing is, is that you're hopeful as a franchise. You're hopeful that my young guy here in Denver, hey, we're yeah. hopeful. That Drew Locke is our guy, mm-hmm. but we don't know. Oh, hey, Mark, don't mis- misunderstand me. Two years from now, this conversation could be c- completely different because all these young quarterbacks that teams invested in, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're all going to realize they ain't the guy. Right. And all of a sudden, the cycle right. begins anew. Right. Right? I mean, you hope, in, hey, in Arizona, right? you know, in Arizona, you hoped it was Josh Rosen. Yep. After one year, you realize, uh, probably not Josh Rosen. Right. Now we hope that it's, you know, Kyler Murray. Right. And it looks, you know, the start looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's always that aspect. And that's why the Greybeards, you know, are going to get work and they're going to have right. opportunity. But 
I mean, I, think about it. I mean, you want to do? We could do this really quickly. Right now, there are teams that feel and hope they have their guy, but in two years, this this could be all over. Here we go: Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Mitch Trubisky, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Rosen, um, Mitch Trubisky. You said him twice. Did I say Mitch Trubisky yeah, twice? Yeah. Sorry. You are so down on Mr. Biscuit. I am Trubisky. so down on him. him I tried to bury him twice. Yeah. <laughs> right? Drew right. Locke. Right. Um, you know, think about all these young quarterbacks. Yeah. And right uh, now, teams are hoping they right. got the guy. Two years from now, all of a sudden, this perceived glut that we're talking about, all of a sudden right. now, there's a big opening again. Yeah, it it is it is crazy. Like, the, you know, like how we're sold as fans, like this science of drafting players you know and how this thing goes and then you just look at the reality of it and i mean come on it, it's a crapshoot it's a crapshoot it is just like you look at all these quarterbacks that get drafted and get elevated and they're gonna save the franchise and for two or three years everybody's excited and now it's like oh the guy can't play throw him in throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. They they can't get it done it's just like i look at that draft a couple of years ago where Patrick Mahomes gets elevated to tenth overall from the you know low the low twenties or wherever he's projected to go, Deshaun Watson goes at what twelve, but Mitch Trubisky is the guy that gets elevated to two overall, right? Because Chicago traded up from three to two to get him, and like if San Francisco, who just lost the Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes against the Chiefs, if they they took Solomon Thomas there. Like, had anybody realized, other than Kansas City, that Patrick Mahomes was going to be this good, he wouldn't have gone past right. number one. Exactly. I mean, Which San Francisco is, would have grabbed him at three of and, they, and their Super Bowl Of champ. course. And I, I get into it. One of our hosts here in Denver that I get into because he insists that, you know, the Broncos, if it works out with Drew Locke, they just got lucky. That somehow if you take a quarterback in the second round, it works out, it's Locke. But if you take a guy in the first round – and they, it works out then it was all part of the plan. Yeah, you had a plan. That's bogus. That's that's complete nonsense because look at all these first round quarterbacks that don't work out. Right. So what you're telling me is that if a quarterback goes in the first round, it's because the team knows for a fact mm. that this guy is going to work out. Well then what does that say about all the decision makers and how bad they are at their job? That these first round quarterbacks that they picked with the idea that we know they're going to work out right. and didn't work out, what yeah. does that say about the 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 brain talent when it comes sure. to this league? That, that that of course they don't know. Certainly. They're 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 making their best educated guess that this is a guy that could be the guy, and that's why they take him in the first round. But but trust me, if they end up working out, that organization sits back and goes, "We got kind of lucky on that one." Marcus Mariota. Took the Tennessee Titans to the playoffs, what, last year, a year ago, or the year before last? Yeah, won a game in Kansas City. Won a game in Kansas City. Um, it was probably it was two years ago. This year after at what after a sixteen nothing beatdown by the Broncos, they dump him for Tannehill and they go on a playoff run. I think Jameis Winston, the first quarterback in the history to be a thirty for thirty guy. Though that was a by the way, that was number one and number two in the draft. Yes. Like, you know, they know about as much as you know, right? right? And 
once you get to this level, you just don't you don't know no. until you kind of know. It's an educated guess based right. on a skill set, based on a success rate in college, whatever. You're 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 pointing to a couple. You're pointing to a few things that give you reason to believe this guy can be the guy, but you don't know. Right? They don't know, and if it works out, then they got they got lucky. Yeah. Because for every one guy that does work out. There are two or three that Can- don't. Kansas City felt that they felt so strongly about Mahomes, and I heard Andy Reid talk about this. One of his most prominent scouts was scouting Patrick Mahomes. Goes, he's the best player I've ever seen, and they're like, "What well, hyperbole? Like that's a big that's a big statement." Then Andy looked at all the tape and was like, "Oh my gosh, you know." And the, and then everything else matched up from a character standpoint. I don't think you can. I don't think you can minimize. Um, how important it was for him to grow up around professional athletics. His father was a pitcher and played in the big leagues for a long time. I think growing up in that environment, you know what to expect. It's not overwhelming when you get to it. You, you understand it, and you're not overwhelmed by it. And I think it prepared him well to to be you know to be in that okay. leadership role and be around that. But, but as we're giving praise to Andy Reid, right? There if, was ten teams before if, him or nine teams before him that didn't. They didn't see the didn't same see thing. The same thing. Yeah. And even Andy Reid, if you're to listen to Mel Kuyper, you know Mel seems to have a pretty good finger on the pulse of yeah. what's going on. Mel Mel has said that Kansas City the year before was very interested in trying to make a run at Paxton Lynch, who's a bust. Yeah. So what if Kansas City had got their way and had gone mean, all in yeah. and got Paxton Lynch? They'd have still been a playoff team because they wouldn't have let Alex Smith leave. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know. But they wouldn't have Patrick Mahomes. Right. Th- yeah. Somebody else would. So don't don't tell me that there isn't elements of luck and good fortune even when it comes to drafting these quarterbacks in the first round. Listen, you're They're know, all wishing and hoping. You know how I feel about the draft. I, I it's you just you see a player, you evaluate a player, evaluate the tape. Forget about all the underpants Olympics. Evaluate the tape. Does he play well on tape? If he does, then he's probably a good player. And then the bottom line is, even with all that, you don't know how he's ever. You don't know how he'll react to the pressure of primetime NFL, where everybody he plays against is his equal, athletically, physically, and. Um, and if he doesn't have the intellectual chops to play at this level, then he's in trouble. And that's therein lies the difference in the game. And so you don't know that. Uh, to me, you don't know that until the guy gets in, until the guy gets an opportunity. And we've seen plenty, Mike, we've seen plenty of guys who looked apart on paper, who looked apart on, you know, when they weigh in at the, at the combine in their underpants, um, who have the physical tools and the skills and all those things. They get into the league and absolutely take a dump in their helmets. Like we've seen that a hundred times on every team. And so, as much as the gra- draft Knicks try to act like it's, you know, there's some analytics formula that you can plug in and be 100% correct, that's bullcrap. That doesn't happen. All right, man. For everybody involved in the Sync Youth Podcast, for Mike, for Scott, for myself, I'd like to thank Marks All Pros. Check them out at marksallpros.com. Uh, if you want to be a part of it, connecting smart consumers with great companies. That's marksallpros.com. Thank you. We'll be back with you guys next week.